everybody this morning. If you're new to our church, God bless you. You are welcome. My name is Greg Johnson. I serve as lead pastor here in the Mission Church, and we are so blessed that you're, you're here today. I want you to grab the, the, the Bible, the Word of God. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We are continuing in our study in the book of Ephesians. We're looking today at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses 22 through 33. Verses 22 through 33. Amen. How many love the Word of God? Praise the Lord. We believe that the Bible is the revealed Word of God to us today. So everything that we believe, everything we teach and preach comes right from the Word of the Lord. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. Here's what it says. Wives... And let's bow our our heads now as we, uh, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything they agree with. I don't think it says that, does it? Husbands. <laughs> oh, now the ladies are excited, aren't they? I see how that works. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray, God, that the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would help us to understand the heart of God towards the church, towards us today, revealed in the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Obviously, our text today is talking about marriage. More specifically, I want to talk about a spirit-filled marriage. Hallelujah. And I'm saying spirit-filled marriage because our preceding context of Ephesians 5 talks about being filled with the Spirit. That's the platform that sets up this whole text here about marriage. So this extends to, to husbands and wives being led by the Spirit of God as it relates to marriage. And according to Paul, there are There are two outcomes, there are two results of being led by the Spirit in marriage. Two attitudes that the Holy Spirit will produce in a Spirit-filled marriage. A wife who submits and a husband who loves. Is everybody reading that? Amen? Now some wives may be asking, what does that mean to submit? Because I got to tell you, Pastor, I'm feeling triggered right now. Like, this is a microaggression, right? 
The Greek word for submit is hupotasso. It means to subdue, to subordinate your will to the will of another, to willingly place yourself under someone else's authority. It's actually, this word, hupotasso, is actually a Greek military term that talks about troops arranging themselves under the command of an officer or under a leader. It's the same term that's used in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus submitted to the authority of his parents. In Luke chapter 10, how the demons submitted and subjected to the power of the apostles. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about Jesus' relationship to the Father submitting to his will. This word, hupotasso, is used there. It means exactly what it says to submit. Everybody say submit. submit. And now some men... Some husbands here, you might be saying, now wife, you need to listen. Hupatasso. A lot of husbands becoming Greek scholars right now. Hupatasso. Now the point of this text is not simply that wives should submit to their husbands. To focus only on that misses the point of what this text is really all about. The real message of this text is what's found in verse 25, where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We cannot talk to the wife about submitting to the husband until we first talk to the husband about loving his wife. Because it's the husband's love for his wife that empowers his wife to submit the way that the scriptures are telling us. This is the whole point of this analogy. This is why husbands loving wives is compared to Christ loving the church and why the wife submitting to the husband is like the church submitting to Christ. 1 John 4.19 says this, we love him because he first loved us. It all begins with what Christ has done for us. We submit to Christ because he loves us. We submit to him because we trust his sovereignty over our lives. Because we trust that he cares for us. That he cares for our needs. That he has our best interests in his purpose at heart. That he causes all things to work together for the good according to his purpose and his sovereignty in our lives. And and it's because we know that, because we trust him and we submit to him. Amen? It's his love for us that empowers us to submit to him. When a wife knows that her husband loves her like that, cares about her like Christ cares about the church, her needs, has her best interests at heart, then she's trusting him and she's, she feels free and at liberty and empowered to submit to her husband. Does that make sense? But if a man is not loving her, if a man is not valuing her, then something happens in the heart of, of, of anyone, in a wife especially, where she doesn't feel safe, she doesn't feel secure, she feels... She feels in conflict. She has fear and insecurity and offense. 
And the Bible says that a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. When a person is offended, walls go up. And a person feels like they need to pull back and they have to protect themselves and they have to watch out for themselves and they have to defend themselves. So when a wife doesn't feel that her husband truly loves her and cares about her and she can't trust his heart for her, walls go up. She's insecure, offended, and becomes defensive, and it's very hard for her to submit, which brings us back to verse 25 here. In verse 25, is kind of where I want to focus in, Paul gives us four very specific directives to the husbands about loving the wives. And I want to focus on this because I believe that the wife's ability to submit in a healthy way, in a whole way, is dependent on that husband's genuine expression of love like Christ loves the church. Amen? So Paul gives us four very specific directives to husbands about loving wives, which are drawn from Christ's actions towards his bride, the church. Amen? So husbands, Jesus is our example on how to love our brides. Are you getting that? First directive, husbands, love your wives, look at this, just as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church by fully and completely and unreservedly committing himself marrying himself, joining himself to the need and the condition of humanity. Fully invested himself, 100% in that relationship. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How did he give him? Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus took upon the form of a servant. He came as a man. He humbled himself in obedience to God's will. He remained God fully God, but also became man, fully man, took on human nature, became one of us, full, unreserved commitment to that relationship. Even, now listen to this, even when he was despised and rejected, even when he was full of sorrows and well acquainted with grief, he stayed committed. He was committed when it was hard. He was committed when it was humiliating. He was committed when it was difficult and demanding and sacrificial. He never gave up on humanity. He never gave up on his bride. Are you hearing me? A couple of years ago, a high-profile TV preacher came home to his wife and informed her. He said this, literally, quote, Today, I met the woman that God originally intended me to marry. And within a couple of months, he divorced his wife, married his new girlfriend, and restarted his ministry. That's not how God designed marriage. He did not design marriage with the idea, I'll love you until I stop loving you. That's not God's plan for marriage. Listen, as soon as a man says, I do, he's saying, this woman is the one God made for me, and we will live together until death do us part. That's the commitment. That's the commitment Jesus made to humanity. That's the commitment Christ made to his bride, right? What that high-profile TV preacher did is exactly what too many married people are doing today. They're forgetting that marriage is a binding, lifelong covenant created by God. The vows exchanged at an altar are not 
just vows to each other. They are vows to God. They're promises to God that they will love, honor, and cherish each other until death. And the vows are important because, listen, anyone who has been married for more than a couple years knows that it's, it's not love that keeps us married. It's marriage that keeps us in love. You got to get that because this is where it's become all backward and turned around and chaotic today. Okay? It's because we force ourselves to stay together that we work through our issues. The commitment is the important part. The commitment is the binding agent that holds us together and produces enduring love. Now, I don't know about other marriages, but for, for, for me and for my wife, 36 years, sometimes marriage can be... Sometimes marriage can be challenging. My wife will tell you that. Look at her. She's saying amen over there. She knows. She knows. There were times when my wife and I, we found it hard to love each other. I know. It's so hard to believe that. That I could be hard to love. I know. It's so hard to imagine that. But you know, the person that you're married to sometimes can be hard to love. Amen? Right? And there were times where, I mean, we had some really, really difficult seasons. Time where it, it, it felt like we were going to part ways. And, I, and I've, I've shared this before, and I, I don't mind saying it again. We, there's a time where there, she wanted to go, and, and I was like, don't go. And I was like, I will do whatever it takes to make this marriage work. I said, if I got to find a therapist, if we got to go to therapy, if we got to get counseling, right? And so I told her, I said, you need to know that I am committed to this marriage. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved. I am committed to this marriage to do whatever it takes to make it work. And the next day, I found, I found a, a marriage counselor. We started going to the, the marriage counseling. I hated every minute of it. Right, I just I wanted to punch that guy in the in the nose every time we were, because it seemed like I was always the one who was wrong. It's like there's another person here, you know. But I stuck with it, humbled myself, and she did too. And she did too. There were things we had to work out, things we had to learn about each other. And, and because we stayed committed, okay? It's not love that kept us married, married. It's marriage that kept us in love. You hear what I'm saying? Right? That's the point. It wasn't because we felt love all the time that we stayed together. It was because we, we were married. Hello? Does anybody who's been married more than five years understand what I'm talking about? Okay? <laughs> Because we were married, we made vows, and we stayed together. It was our commitment to stay, to work things out that kept us together and allowed our love to grow and to mature and to endure. And when a wife knows that her husband loves her like this and is committed, her to, to, committed to her like this, she will gladly and willingly submit to her husband. Amen. Brings us to the second directive. 
Same verse. Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself up for her. Gave himself up for her. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were what? Sinners. Christ did what? Died for us. And most husbands would tell their wife that. They would, they would say, honey, I'll die for you. I'd gladly take a bullet for you. But the reality is most wives aren't asking their husbands to take a bullet for them. Most of them would settle for him maybe washing a few dishes. We're changing a diaper. Ooh. <laughs> Making dinner once in a while. Having a meaningful conversation. Spending some time together. Don't need you to take a bullet for me. But how about we just talk? No, I'd rather take a bullet, actually. <laughs> to love your wife like Christ. Oh, God, help me. Christ loved the church. It doesn't mean that you have to die on the cross, but it does mean you do have to carry a cross and deny yourself. It does mean putting your wife's needs first, above your needs, sacrificing your comforts and your preferences and your wants. Amen? I'm amazed by guys who complain that their wife is not interested in the bedroom, but those same men hardly do anything for her in the kitchen. I just felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit <laughs> just burst into the room on that one, or any other room for that matter. Totally unaware oblivious to her wants, out of touch with her concerns, her interests, her hurts, her desires, her offenses. Totally narcissistic, focused on their own need, what they want, what they demand, what they have, right? They love to hear that verse, wives submit to their husbands, but they don't go on to the next one that says, husbands love your wives. You can't step over the husband love your wives part and expect the wife to submit. Because if you're not loving your wife, she's going to get offended and walls are going to go up. It's just natural. It's just natural. Amen? Your wife is not Jesus. Hello? <laughs> Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to get it. Five Love, you can order it today on Amazon. It could be here tomorrow. It's a great book. It, it tells, it, it explains how everyone is different and we all have different love languages, right? Acts of service, doing things for one another, words of affirmation, speaking, encouraging positive messages to each other, physical touch, affection, giving gifts, quality time, right? We all have different love language. I don't know what your wife's love language is, but I do know I do know what that means, that she has a love language. It means that she needs you to give yourself to her need like Christ gave himself to the church's need. We needed a Savior who would die on a cross. We need a Savior who would take up humanity upon himself and obey the will of God. That's what we needed. We needed a Savior. That's what it means when it says to love your life like Christ gave himself for the church. Our wives need us to give ourselves for their need. Amen? Love languages. 
Third directive, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Christ, now look at this. Christ sanctifies, cleanses, empowers, transforms the church through what? Through the word. Everybody say the word. word. Right? It's his word that empowers his work in his marriage to the bride. And wives are empowered in the marriage by their husband's words. Not silence. Their words. Communication. Expression. 99% of healthy marriage is good communication. Good communication. Most of the times when I'm talking to couples it's, it's who are having challenges in their marriage, it's a breakdown in communication. Just like the church needs God's word to submit to his will, the wife needs her husband's words. Time in conversation. Time in communication. Hello? Did you know that after eight years of marriage, most couples forget how to talk to each other? There was a study that asked 5,000 husbands and wives, 5,000, how often they talk to each other. After two years of marriage, most of them managed two or three minutes of chat over breakfast, about 20 minutes at dinner, and a few more minutes in bed, two years of marriage. By the sixth year of marriage, that was down to 10 minutes a day. By the eighth year of marriage, a state of almost total speechlessness was achieved in the relationship. And this is the reason why many marriages are in severe decline, in conflict today. And men, many of us, we can relate to this because many of us are not great at talking to to our, to our wives. Many men, not all men, but many men are not, they don't verbal, they don't, they don't process things verbally, they process things mentally. Whereas many women process things verbally. And they need to have communication to be able to process and to be able to connect. In fact, women tend to use conversation to build intimacy. And they, and they derive intimacy through communication, right? Men typically use conversation to get information or just to express an idea or a thought that they have, right? There was a mistake that I made, one mistake that... <laughs> I'm going to tell you what it is, all right? I made a mistake early on in, in, in our marriage. I don't even know if my wife... Rem- she, probably, she probably doesn't remember this. She never remembers these. Well, it was only one mistake, so she probably... <laughs> I remember one time I said to my wife, I said, you know, honey, I said, you know what would really help us in our communication? I said, if you could, (laughs) you know right there, right? (laughs) If if you could try to use less words and get right to the point of what you're trying to say, if you could... I got a brother rejoicing in the back there, but I don't see his wife with him. (laughs) If you could just get, and she said, oh, you want me to use less words, huh? (laughs) I can give you less words. And I learned that that's really not a wise thing to do. So young men, 
who are, if, who are married, okay, let your, your wife needs to use as many words as she needs to use. Okay? And... <laughs> right? That's, that's how most women read intimacy in a relationship. It's through conversation. Okay? And you've heard, you've probably heard the statistic that most women speak over 25,000 words a day. Have you, you've all heard this, right? 25,000. I can't even imagine 25,000 words. But that's, that's where they get this. I don't know how they got that. They just followed women around with a notepad, I guess. 25,000 words a day. And the average man speaks like eight to 10,000 words a day. Okay? Now, what does that mean in marital terms? On average, a wife will say she needs to spend about 30 minutes each day in meaningful conversation to feel secure about the relationship and about the marriage. What does the husband say is enough time for meaningful conversation? About 5 to 10 minutes once a week. (laughs) We're just different. Right? It's not, that the, it's not that men don't want to connect with their wives. It's that men aren't processing. They're not using communication the same way, right? Most men, I mean, they go to, if they're going to go to work, they're using up all their words. By the time 5 o'clock rolls around, they've used up their 10,000 words. And if the wife isn't, you know, out of the home, if she's working in home, she's at home all day, she's only used about 3,000 words. So she's still got... <laughs> 22,000 words. But man, we need to be intentional communicators, talkers, and listeners. Amen? That's the common complaint of many wives. My husband doesn't, you don't listen to me. Have any men ever heard that? It's okay, you can raise your hand. We support you. We love you. We, <laughs> this is a very supportive environment right now. You men, nobody's raising their hands. None of them. I'm the only guy up here raising my hand. All right, I got a couple takers. Thank you so much. I don't know. You guys are afraid or something. <laughs> listening, active listening, right? Verbal cues, nodding, verbal responses, basic. Eye, what was that? Eye contact? That was good. That was a good one, right? That was- <laughs> basic communication skills that we employ at work, in our professions, with people, all around us every day, right? Okay? I have, sometimes my wife will come, I have a home office, she'll come in, she'll want to talk, and I'll realize that she's sitting there, and, I'll, and I have to consciously, <laughs> I have to consciously take my eyes off of my computer, swivel the chair around, and connect, right, Abdil? Got to connect, it's like... <laughs> My brother, we're right on the same wavelength right now. You got to connect and, and, and listen. Amen? Okay? Wives, listen. And be merciful to your husbands and realize that your husbands don't always multitask the way that you do. In other words, men are a little duller than women are when it comes to the communication thing. So, for instance, during a football game, is not the time to talk to your husband about what your girlfriend said or 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just trying to preach the word here. So <laughs> wise woman builds her house, the proverb says. Brother, you need to just, you're not helping, okay? <laughs> fourth directive, fourth directive, verse 27 says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. Christ leads his church into holiness and godliness. It's not something the bride does on her own, right? The bride does not make herself holy. The bride is made holy. We talked about this last week, right? With positional holiness and progressive sanctification. Christ is the one who leads the bride into holiness and godliness, which means, husbands, it's our job. It's, it's our role, it's our role to lead the marriage toward godliness. Now that doesn't mean that our, our wives won't strive to be godly on, on their own, in their own walk with Christ. Of course they will, right? But we need to lead our families in godliness and in holiness. Amen? Amen. Many men think that, you know, being a strong, being a good husband is, is, physic, is, is something physical, something that is material, you know, making money, providing a good home, being successful, health care, security. All that stuff is important. It's all important. But for many women, for godly Christian women, what they really long for is a man who is godly and Christ-like and is spiritually minded and is leading her in the faith. Because she knows that if you, if we are godly men, then we will be the best husbands that we can be, that we will be a good father, that we will be a good provider, that we will be men of character that will love her like Christ loves the church. Amen? Amen. And if we're going to be godly husbands, it means leading our wife leading our, our family in things like prayer, leading in prayer. Not just at meals, and meals is important with the family, but you have young children in the home, take the initiative, take the kids up, put them in bed, pray with the kids. Don't say, well, that's the wife's thing, she does that. No, it's not the wife's thing. Hello? It's not, it's not, well, the wife does all that spiritual stuff. No, no, no. Your children need to see what a godly man looks like. Your sons need to see what a godly man, a godly father, a godly husband looks like. Your daughters need to see what a godly man, godly husband looks like. Amen? It's not the wife's thing. The wife wants you to take the lead in that. All right? Praying with the kids. Right? When problems, crises hit the home, let's pray. Right? Don't rely on the wife to be the one. She's hoping you'll do it. And you don't have to be a perfect prayer warrior. You don't have to have all these deep spiritual prayers. Right? She's just going to be blessed that you want to pray. Amen, ladies? Help me out here a little bit, all right? Leading in prayer, leading in God's Word. Leading in God's Word. That God's Word will be the centerpiece of the home. Right? 
When the culture, when politics, when the media bring the lies of the world into your home, through the public school system, through the kids' friends, through whatever, that the fathers, the dads, the husbands take the lead in maintaining a biblical ethic in the home. Right? When our kids bring stuff home from the public schools, you know, about gender and sexuality, about, about, um, ma- about uh, same-sex marriage or, or about evolution or things of this world, that we as dads, as husbands, we would take the lead and say, well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Amen? Well, I don't know what the Bible says about it. Well, you should. Read the Bible. Learn what the Bible says so you can lead your family. Amen? Not, it's really not that complicated. And lead the way to church, right? Don't, be, don't, don't say, well, that's, what the, you know, that's the wife's thing. She gets the kids up. She gets them to church. You know, I've worked all week. I need my Sundays, whatever. No, lead your family to church, right? Amen? This is what, what are we talking? Talk, we want to focus on wives submitting to husbands, right? But we can't, you can't get there unless you are providing a secure, healthy Spiritually secure, spiritually healthy home. Hello? Amen? Amen. Lead the way to church. Get your kids out of bed in the morning. There may come a time where your teenagers decide they don't want to go to church. Right? You ever been there? That's when the dad needs to step up. Hello? Either you will get out of bed and get dressed or I will pull you out of bed, and I will dress you. And I promise you, you will not like how I dress you. (laughs) Amen? What are we talking about? We're talking about a father asserting his authority in the home. Amen? Look, we raised five kids, okay? You got to, the parents got to have authority in the home. We're going to talk about this a little bit next week when we talk about Ephesians chapter 6, Okay? But if you're not asserting your authority in the home over your children, you are in for a world of hurt. When they get to be 14, 15, all those demons start coming out of them. <laughs> all right, in closing, let me look at the very last verse in this, in this text here, Ephesians 5.33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. That's Paul's summary there of marriage right there. Love your wife as you love yourself, and let the wife respect her husband. So this is a a word for wives who say, well, I don't respect my husband. He doesn't lead spiritually. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't listen to me. He's insensitive. All he cares about is his football game, his golf game, going to work, going fishing, drinking beer. That's all that he cares about. Even though you may not respect the man, still respect the position the man holds. We do this all the time. We do this With people we work with, you don't like the boss, you still respect the position. Amen? Amen. In government, we don't like the leaders, we still respect the position. We tell our kids in school, you don't like your teacher, you still respect the position. Amen? The number one need of a man in marriage is the need to feel respect from his wife. 
I, I know that a lot of studies will tell you that it's, you know, it's physical intimacy. I'm telling you that the number one need, the number one thing that has caused most marriages to fall apart when I'm talking and counseling with couples is the man's need for respect from his wife. Now, I know, listen, a lot of women, even here today, maybe some watching the stream, you are very capable making decisions on your own, running the home on your own. Maybe you got your own business. Maybe you got a, a successful career, and you feel that because of that, you have this need to assert yourself and, and take over. I know you're smart, educate. Maybe you're smarter than your husband, right? You're a professional, and it would be so easy for you to dominate and to control him and to debate him and to belittle him with a demeaning, condescending home. But listen, just like the wife needs to be loved, the number one need of a woman in a marriage is for her to know that her husband loves her, cherishes her, values her, appreciates her. Just like you need that, a man needs to feel respect. Everybody say respect. Respect is advice. You don't have to always agree, but respect and talk it through respectfully. Respect his achievements, things that he's done that you can be proud of. Respect his achievements. Respect him with your words, not just how you, what you say, but how you say it. Hello? Amen? All the men are just looking straight ahead right now. They're just... Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hand. If a man, listen, if a man does not feel respected, he will shut down emotionally. He will shut down verbally. He will lose interest and motivation. If a man feels disrespected in his marriage, he becomes a version of a man that is disinterested in the marriage. He is no longer attracted to that wife. He is unable to lead, he, he's, and because of that, he's unable to lead that wife, to love that wife the way that the wife needs him to love her. He becomes frustrated, withdrawn, silent, short-tempered, and he slips into an emotional self-preservation mode. Why? Because the way a man is wired, he needs to feel respected. And if he doesn't feel respected, he withdraws and isolates into a man cave, an emotional man cave. I know it's wrong. I know it's immature, but that's just how the male ego works. Everybody say male ego. male ego. Yeah. He ends up in survival mode emotionally. So Paul's closing advice for marriage, verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you, husbands, so love his own wife as himself, as Christ loved the church, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Let's stand together. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, that God is so thorough in that it addresses so many different aspects of our lives. Lord, we pray for marriages today, because we see how marriage is under attack. It's under attack in our culture. It's under attack in the media. It's even under attack in the church. Pray, God, for the, for the men, the husbands that are here today. The Holy Spirit, you'll help us to love our wives as Christ 
loved the church, committed himself to the church, and gave himself for her. Help us, Lord, to do that. Help the wives, Lord, to respect the husbands. Help there to be healthy submission, healthy love in the marriages, Lord, of the Mission Church, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord. Come on, put your hand on your heart and just say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord God. Especially if you're married, just say, Lord, help me, God. Help us in our marriage, Lord God. Those that aren't married, pray, Lord, help me to learn what it means to be a good spouse, a good husband, a good wife. Help me to learn, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. We're going to open the altars as we close the service this morning. And um, we have people that will come up here and pray for you, pray with you. Um, maybe you're going through a challenge right now in your marriage. Maybe your spouse is in here and, and you're listening to this and you're struggling, you know, with some of these truths. How do they apply in your situation? Come on up, get some prayer. Allow the Lord to speak into your life. God will give the grace. Amen? God gives the grace when we humble ourselves. So we're going to open the altars. Whatever your need may be, you need, may need a physical healing in your body. You may need a miracle in your life. We're going to open the altars to pray for you. So, Father, as we dismiss the service today, God, we open these altars, Lord, as our prayer workers come. That, Lord God, those that come for prayer, that you'll meet with us here at these altars, Lord God. For those that need to go, that, Lord, we would go with your blessing upon our lives, upon our homes and our marriages. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can, you can be dismissed. If you need prayer, please come on up here. There's folks up here that will pray with you. We would love the opportunity to stand with you in faith, to pray with you. If you need a physical healing in your body, come on up and get prayed for. Come on up and get prayed for. You got a challenge in your home, your marriage, your kids, come on up. Get prayed for. Get prayed for today.